through 11, 11. Judges chapter 10, verse 17 through 11, 11. And the word of God reads as follows. Then the Ammonites were called to arms, and they encamped in Gilead. And the people of Israel came together, and they encamped at Mizpah. And the people, the leaders of Gilead, said to one another, Who is the man who will begin to fight against the Ammonites? He shall be head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. Now Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a mighty warrior, but he was the son of a prostitute. Gilead was the father of Jephthah, and Gilead's wife also bore him sons. And when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You shall not have an inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. Then Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. And worthless fellows collected around Jephthah and went out fishing. After a time, the Ammonites made war against Israel. And when the Ammonites Amen. 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 We on, Karen? We on? Yeah, we on. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, the Word of God has been read in our hearing this morning. Let us pray and ask God that He would make it effectual in our hearts. Heavenly Father, we do thank You once again for Your Spirit. Lord, You delight to come by Your Spirit. And not only inhabit the praises of your people, but even to convict us of our sin and comfort us in the person and the work of your son, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here under the sound of my voice who needs the effectual working power of the Spirit in their life for the conviction of sin, I pray now that through your word, that indeed would come for your glory. I pray if there's anyone here that needs the comforting of the gospel, that they would right now begin to experience that comforting work through your spirit, according to your word. I pray that we all would have ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to receive glories that are Christ Jesus this morning. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are making our way through the book of Judges, and we have come to Judges chapter 11, the story of Jephthah. You know, the Bible is an honest book. 
think you begin to read the scriptures, you find that the Bible is very, very honest. And the book of Judges is particularly honest in that the Bible, like the rest of the Bible, but Judges in particular, the Bible shows the contradictions within God's people. The Bible doesn't hide these apparent contradictions, these these paradoxes. And you see the people of God and you see them and it's, it's like we are these enigmas, these puzzlements are inherent within the hearts and the minds of the people of God. You read the scriptures and you come face to face with the realities that the people in service of God are often puzzling collections of contradictions. It's contradictions all over. What do we do with men like Abraham and Jacob? What, what, do, we, what do we do with men like Solomon and Hezekiah? What do we do with apostles like Peter? We look at these, and on the one hand, they are presented to us as men of faith, but then on the the other hand, they are faulty, they are sinful, they are men with clay feet. They have issues running throughout their lives. What do we do with them? Nowhere do we see these contradictions more apparent than when we come to the book of Judges. For the, the book of Judges is filled with these characters that are every bit as enigmatic as any in the Bible. I mean, you look at people like Barak, and you look at Gideon, and you look at Samson, and you ask yourself the question, are these good men or are they bad men? Are they faithful men or are they unfaithful men? And perhaps the most puzzling and the most enigmatic of them all is Jephthah. We are here making our way. We're about midway through the book of Judges, and we've come to this life and the legacy of Jephthah. And we look at Jephthah, and we, we, you begin to examine his life as we will over the next few weeks, and you just get puzzled. You just, get, you just get amazed and you begin to, to wonder. You don't know what to think. That is until you begin to look at Jephthah. And you ought to see yourself. We need to look at Jephthah and we see ourselves in the midst of all of our contradictions. We ought to be puzzled at ourselves. How can I be so loving and so compassionate in this place, but then you put me in another setting and I am so unloving and I'm so incompassionate in the other place? How is it when I come to church and people can see me as loving and and see me as as caring and see me as as willing to serve, but then when I go home and my wife and kids can't understand why they can't get me to do anything? Why is it that my people on my job hear that I go to church and they are amazed? Revelation comes to them that I profess to be a Christian. And they say it. 
they would have never believed it. This is the situation that God's people find themselves, these, these enigmas, these puzzlements, these, these contradictions that are all within our own hearts. But we see them in the people of Scripture. We see it in particular in Jephthah. And this morning, as we look at Jephthah, we're going to see these contradictions. We're going to see this, these enigmas here. But if we look beyond that, if we look beyond the contradictions, if we look beyond the, the enigma that is Jephthah, if we look beyond, we'll see and we'll get a glimpse, just a little glimpse, of the one who had no contradictions, of the one who was true truth, and that is Jesus Christ himself. For here in Jephthah, we see ourselves, but even more glorious than that, we see the Christ. And what a beautiful picture it is. Let's look at Jephthah here just for a moment. The scene is set. The scene is set. The, <clears throat> as we saw in chapter 10, the nation of Israel had fallen into grotesque sin, the worst sin that they had fallen into up to this point, and they had repented and turned from the worship of those idols, and they turned back to the worship of God. They had put away the idols, and now they were worshiping God once again. But the Ammonites, the Ammonites were arrayed against them. And as God had granted them repentance in chapter 10, now we come to the end of chapter 10 and the scene is set. There are the Ammonites on one side and there are the Israelites on the other side. And the battle, the battle lines are drawn, the swords are drawn and ready to go. There's only one thing missing as far as the Israelites are concerned. They don't have a leader. They don't have a commander. They don't have a warrior who will lead them into battle. And so they ask the question, a quite appropriate question, who's going to fight for us? Who's going to go for us? But then they remember there was one. One of now they hear of the rumors of his conquest. His name is Jephthah. And Jephthah was one of them. Jephthah was born up amongst them. In fact, he was one within the, 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 the area of Gilead. He was a Gileadite. His father's name was Gilead. And he was a mighty warrior. The Bible here, here gives him the same title that he gave Gideon. He was a, a valiant man, a man of valor. But they had long kicked Gideon, uh, they had long kicked Jephthah out from among them. They had disposed of Jephthah. Why? Because even though his father was Gilead, his mother was a prostitute. And as his brother had, brothers had grown up because his father had sons by his wife. And the legitimate boys thought it'd be necessary to get rid of the illegitimate one. So they got rid of him. They, they deposed of him. They, 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 they kicked him out from amongst the people. And Jephthah goes and he goes and he lives in, in Tob. And there in Tob, he gathers around him his own family. 
begins to develop his own family. Apart from those who are his natural family, he gathers around him, the Bible says, worthless men, vain men, empty men. And he makes a name for himself as a fighter, as a raider. And they hear of this. And they understand that Jephthah is one of us, ultimately. Let us go get Jephthah then, let, and let Jephthah come and fight and lead us into battle. And so they go get Jephthah. They eat a little crow. They eat some humble pie. And they go get Jephthah. And they say, Jephthah, will you fight for me? And Jephthah does to them what God did to them in the previous chapter. Jephthah says, am I not the one that you threw away? Why are you now coming to me, offering to me to be the commander of Israel? Jephthah says, I'm not interested in simply being the commander. I want to be head. (laughs) If you make me commander and head of Israel, I'll come. Desperate times calls for desperate measures. (laughs) And the Israelites agreed. They agreed to make Jephthah not only the commander of their forces, but he is going to be head of Israel. This is the story that comes to us. But there are some important elements to the life of Jephthah that I think should remind us of who we are and who Christ is. And what Christ has done. Now let's just back up for a minute to to chapter 11 verses 1 and 2. And there's something here that should remind us of just who this man Jephthah is. The Bible says that Jephthah is or was an outcast. He was an outcast. He was born under a cloud and with a chip on his shoulder. And Jephthah was cast out from among his people. You look at Jephthah and you realize that Jephthah comes into the world with two strikes against him. Two strikes. He is born in sin and then he is born of sin. He is born in sin. For all human beings come into the world in this condition. All of us come into the world since the sin of Adam. Come into the world born into sin. For the Bible reminds us that in Adam all sinned. And therefore we all are born with this strike against us. David said in Psalm 51, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. And not only was Jephthah born in sin, like we all are, strike one, he was born of sin. Not only was this the case, but he was born of a prostitute, the Bible says. He was the fruit of an illicit and sinful relationship. Jephthah came into the world not only with the sin of Adam, but he came carrying with him the sin of his parents. Not only is he has, not only is he born to sin, not only is he born of sin, not only is he born in sin, but the Bible here also reminds us that he was born to run. 
born in sin, born of sin, and born to run. For the sins of his parents visited upon him in that from the very beginning he had to justify his existence. While the others around him are vilifying him, reminding him that he is illegitimate. From the very moment that he is conscious of who he is, you can imagine. He had to justify his place. Others around him are vilifying him the whole time. And so his brothers, what do they do? They put him on the run. They put him on the run because of the sins of his parents. And so we see that Jephthah takes the sin of Adam and he takes the sins of his parents and he compounds that with his own sins. Then he joins himself up with a group of unsavory and worthless fellows. Three strikes. Three strikes. Strike one, we are told in Scripture that we stand condemned because of Adam's sin and Adam and Eve's sin. That's strike one. But then, but then we are told also that God often visits the sins of parents upon us. And we will find ourselves, even today, struggling with issues, not because of our sin, but because others have sinned against us. Strike two. But ultimately, ultimately, we stand condemned not simply because of the sin of Adam and not simply because of the sins of others against us, but because of our own sin. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 20, the soul that sins will die. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, Paul sums up his argument against the the depravity of all humanity with those infamous words, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Strike three. Jephthah is an outcast, but he takes that position of an outcast and those strikes that are against him. And hence, he becomes an outlaw. You see that in verse 3, Jephthah becomes this outlaw, rejected, rejected by his people. Jephthah begins to run with and live the life of a rebel, a thug, a rogue, and an outlaw. He's running with the rebels. He flees from Gilead and his family and begins to establish his own family. And he establishes with these, what the Bible refers to as worthless fellows. These are the same type of men that we saw in chapter 9 with Abimelech, who Abimelech hired in order to carry out his murderous rage. These worthless men, these worthless fellows. This is the state. And now Jephthah has come to. The idea here is that these men are vain. They are useless. They are worthless men. 
These are the type of men that I believe that that Christian ran into when he got to vanity and was going through Vanity's Fair. These type of men, Mr. Envy, Mr. Liar, Mr. Cruelty, Mr. Hate Light, Mr. Blind, Mr. No Good, Mr. Malice, Mr. Love Lust, Mr. Live Loose, Mr. High Minded. Worthless men. And these are those who who followed him, the Bible says. These are those who gravitated toward him. These are those that remind us of what Aristotle said. That birds of a feather flock together. I remember when I was coaching football um, at a high school in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Yeah, there really is a place called Kalamazoo, Michigan. I was coaching football in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and inevitably, one of our high school students would run afoul with the school or run afoul with the law. And inevitably, the parents would come marching into the football offices and making excuses for their sons. And the number one excuse that we would hear over and over and over again is, my son just got in with the wrong crowd. Now, in some instances, that was the case. But in the vast majority of the instances, I wanted to say, ma'am, your son didn't get in with the wrong crowd. Your son is the wrong crowd. (laughs) They're gravitating to him. He's leading the pack. They're following him. They enjoyed being with Jephthah because Jephthah was one of them. There is no indication that Jephthah improved their morality once they joined with him. There is no indication that Jephthah turned them from worthless men into faithful men. But then again, I have a question this morning. Do you see yourself in that crowd? You should. I do. I've spent many hours with Mr. Mr. Liar. I've ran around and through the streets and traveled many days with Mr. Hate Light. I've roomed with Mr. No Good. And I've hung out with Mr. Love Lust and Mr. Live Loose. I know them. I was one of them. Worthless men and women. If we're honest this morning, aren't we all just worthless men and women? Jesus says that we should see ourselves in Luke chapter 17 and verse 10 as unworthy, worthless servants. Worthless servants. Unworthy. Beloved, I am, I am convinced. I am convinced this, this, this morning that if God didn't use worthless servants, East Point Church wouldn't have a pastor this morning. My wife wouldn't have a husband. My children wouldn't have a father. But aren't you glad this morning that it is the worthless that God calls? 
This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, does he not? Again, in verse 26, where he says that God calls the worthless, God calls the despised, God calls the weak, God calls the lowly, God calls that which is despised in this world to be his servants, to use them for his glory. The worthless ones, the outcasts. And the outlaws. And there is Jephthah, yes. But there you are too. Jephthah indeed is an outcast. Jephthah indeed is an outlaw. But according to the will and according to the power and the plan of God, Jephthah would not be outdone. Can't be, couldn't be outdone. But you notice there in the verses 4 through 11 that when the chips are down and the nation needs a warrior, the nation needs a leader, someone to head up the nation, Jephthah wins the day. The elders call on him and they ask the question, who will fight for us? Who will lead us into battle against our enemy? And who do they choose? They choose the one who was before an outcast, the one who was an outlaw. We see ourselves in Jephthah this morning. But let me suggest to you, more importantly, you begin to see the Christ. Who was Jephthah? He was the one, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53 and 3, who was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Jephthah, the outlaw. Jephthah, the outcast. Now, Jephthah, the redeemer. Jephthah, the one despised. Now, Jephthah, the deliverer. Jephthah, the one rejected. Now, Jephthah, the savior. The Bible says of Jesus, he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Beloved, our, our Lord was not an attractive man. He was not something beautiful from the flesh to behold. He didn't win people by winning modeling contests. From the cradle to the grave, most didn't want anything to do with him. In fact, the prophecy in Isaiah goes on to say that he was one from whom men hid their He was despised and rejected. At his birth, he didn't have his own cradle. And at his death, he didn't have his own tomb. For the Bible reminds us and tells us that even while he was on earth, he didn't have a place to lay his own head. He was despised and rejected. Why? Why? Why was he despised? Because due to our sins, we are despised. Why was he rejected? Because due to our sins, we are rejected. He who was the outlaw has now become the deliverer. He who was 
the outcast, has now become the Savior. The question is, do you see Jesus this morning? Do you hear Jesus when they come to Jephthah and they plead with him for help? You know what they're admitting? They're admitting, yes, you are the outcast. Yes, you are are the outlaw. But you are the one that we can't do without because you are the one who can't be outdone. And here is Jesus, the one rejected, the one outlawed, the one outcast. The Bible says the stone that the builder rejected, he, this one, has become the chief, the head cornerstone is Jesus. And just as Israel needed Jephthah, so too do you and I need Jesus. Despised, yes, but you need him. Rejected, yes, but you need it. Why? Because though he was outcast and though he was outlawed, he cannot be outdone. Because... You can't do without him. You need him. You need recognize that right now. You need him. You need him not only in this life, but, oh, but beloved, you're really going to need him in the life to come. It's a tragic thing to live without Jesus. It is absolutely eternally damning and disastrous to die without Jesus. The elders of Gilead come to Jephthah because they need him to save them. You need Jesus to save you. We all do. This is why we see ourselves in Jephthah, but we ultimately see Christ. You need him. And that's why he was despised. That's why he was rejected. And his rejection has become our acceptance. The despising of Jesus has now become our deliverance. All you need do now just say, I need him. I need you, Lord. I can't win without you. The enemies and my sin, all of the enemies of the universe are arrayed against me and my sin is ever pressing upon me. Who will fight this battle for me? Call on Jesus. Look to Jesus. Know that he'll not only be your captain, the Bible says that he is the head. That's why you look at him 
And you see him there, afflicted, a man of sorrows. What a name. This name was for the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Guilty, vile, helpless. We, spotless Lamb of God, is He. Full atonement, can it be? Yes! Hallelujah! What a Savior. That's our Lord. That's who He is. He is the one rejected, despised, but raised up and lifted high, beholding, come to him, receive him, acknowledge your need of a savior, and here he is. Not only willing, not only ready, but he's able. He's able to save and to defend and to defeat all of your sins this morning and all into eternity. Let us pray.